0: This is a presentation of The Pitch Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of The Pitch from Kansas City. I am your host and the editor-in-chief of The Pitch, Mr. Brock Wilber. How are you doing today? I am enjoying trash. I'm just having a wonderful time with trash. Uh, for some reason this week, uh, our deadline for the magazine, uh, getting everything in, was just an all-timer of fuck shit hell. Just like the <laughs> the worst possible time. Um, didn't cry in my office, but like some sort of like uh, extension of what that would look like. Emotionally uh, spread out across not just me, but everybody else that works here. Um, Everything that could possibly happen in a day outside of what we needed to do uh, happened in that day. And uh, yeah, you know, just like the the worst possible day at your day job uh, mixed with something that you truly care about and are worried that you are messing up. The whole thing came together into uh, this perfect storm of just uh, a wonderful nightmare. Uh, So I have been recovering with trash. Um, I reviewed the latest Saw movie, Spiral, last week. Um, And now I am going back through some of the Saw sequels uh, just to watch them, uh, just to feel good because like there's absolutely no need for me to buy into any of this and uh I don't know kind of a funny thing to laugh at and now I'm on to the conjuring series and like all these things are like horror films that are in the vein of of what I sort of generally enjoy but they've always been things that I'm like I don't have to and now I have to <laughs> because I'm like I need I need something to scream at me and uh, shock me in the dark uh, and for me to not care. And they are doing a wonderful job at providing all of that. Also, spiral, fine movie. Uh, Pretty okay. Uh, It is a film that only exists because Chris Rock went to a wedding in Brazil a few years ago and wound up seated next to one of the head people over at Lionsgate and said, hey, you guys ever think of doing like a Saw movie, but it was kind of funny? And they were like, green light, you you can go make this. And that is exactly what he got to make. Sure, it is, it is a Saw movie where Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are on screen together. And quite frankly, there's no movie where Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson being on screen together doesn't rule. So, like, you know, sure, it is there. It is what it is. Uh, we have a, a great episode today. We have uh, Next Music Corner, as per always. Uh, later on, we have an interview uh, with one of my favorite people in the local music uh, venue scene. Uh, but right now, our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment is doing a reading of the Morning Glory Farms piece by Anne Niggendorf. Uh Really hope
1: you enjoy that one. Jason, take it away. What's the story, Morning Glory Farms? A Blackwater Jerky Biltong Godly Foundations by Ann Kniggendorf. Tiffany Weekly is a lot of things. A mother, a nurse, and a lactation consultant. But she's also a cattle farmer and, as such, a beef jerky pioneer in Missouri. More specifically, a biltong pioneer. Biltong is a Dutch word that amounts to meat strip and has long been a popular snack in South Africa. What sets it apart from the beef jerky most meat snack enthusiasts are familiar with in the United States is its lack of chemical preservatives like nitrates and the addition of sugar. Weekly uses a recipe that includes ant. <coughs> Weekly uses a recipe that includes antimicrobial ingredients with. Nope. <sighs> Weekly uses a recipe that includes antimicrobial ingredients such as vinegar, salt, and pepper, and the rest of the preservation process is all about drying the strips of beef and, later, getting the proper seal on the bag. It's straight-up protein that tastes fantastic, she says. Her new enterprise, which falls under Morning Glory Farms out of Blackwater, Missouri, surprised her as much as it did anyone. After weighing the pros and cons of Chinese versus South African biltong dryers, she purchased three South African dehydrators from Low Krieger, two of which were paid for by a Missouri meat and poultry processing grant. Weekly says her new enterprise stemmed from a desire to improve her family's health and the need to diversify her farm's offerings during the pandemic. The first part of her quest began years ago, when the youngest of her three children suffered from debilitating gluten and dairy allergies. Doctors suggested a drug regimen and abstinence from grain and dairy, and that didn't sit well with Weekly. As a registered nurse and lactation consultant, she has a lot of connections to people who spend huge amounts of time considering more holistic solutions to troubles like those facing her son. One friend explained that she saw the boy's inability to process those foods as the result of a broken gut. So they made a plan. Let's change the diet and heal the gut, Weekly says. Right around that time, her husband Tim lost the employee who had overseen cattle operations on Weekly Farms, Morning Glory Farms' fraternal twin operation. To Weekly, this seemed a divinely inspired turn of events. She took responsibility for the 100-plus cows on the farm, including their nutrition. I know you probably can't talk about God, but this is how God works in my life, she says. Up until that point, the farm freely used antibiotics on the cows and administered steroids for faster growth. They also teetered back and forth between GMO and non-GMO feed. They farmed organically but also conventional. Weekly says that money-wise, it made sense to feed conventional feed and confine the animals toward the end of their lives so that they'd only eat corn and gain weight more quickly. However, this traditional regimen wasn't great for the cow's guts, their microbiomes, so she stopped with the antibiotics unless a cow was actually ill. Weekly also stopped the practice of confining the cattle at the finish, allowing them to switch to grass as needed, to balance the pH of their guts. I tried to make sure that what I fed them was something I would want to feed my son with a gut that wasn't quite healthy," Weekly says. She began making bone broth for her family, an attempt to use what she had right in front of her to heal her son. Weekly slow simmers bones and joints for 24 to 48 hours, adding in thyme, parsley, and garlic for their anti-inflammatory qualities. The resultant broth is rich in amino acids, minerals, and vitamins, and helps with the overall absorption of nutrients into the system. This plan worked well, and after a while, Her son was able to process gluten again. He's back on milk, too, albeit a different kind. He can only handle A2 protein milk. We just have a much healthier kid, she says. Healing and educating with food is a large part of Weekly's personal and professional mission and helped her diversify when the need arose. And it did. During the great meat panic of 2020, Weekly explains, consumers' mindsets changed and they wanted to accumulate as much food as possible in case they ran out. They started contacting farmers and saying they wanted to buy half a beef. This change in consumer behavior caused a log jam in Missouri's meat processing facilities. The wall that we hit was that these processors were inundated with all of this new business, and I couldn't get appointments for my cattle to be slaughtered. So I had no choice. Either I slaughter them early, or I slaughter them way late when they're old. I hate to use the word slaughter. Harvest is better. When they're way overweight and then they're too fat, she says. Enter the biltong. Family friend and entrepreneur Al Hatfield, who's rich in ideas, had an idea for Weekly. Hatfield lives in Florida but owns several farms and two bed and breakfasts in Missouri, horses in Florida and Minnesota, and the Pedal Pub franchise, among other things. He reports that he told Weekly, You've got the beef, and they're treated very well, and you have a great reputation in the beef business. It would be natural for you to go into this South African product because there's very little of it in the United States, very few producers whereas there are tons of people producing beef jerky. The two conducted an informal taste test with Hatfield's favorite beef jerky, a product out of South Dakota. Once all of their tasters concurred that it had a highly desirable jerky flavor, they set out to replicate the seasoning in the Better For You Biltong. That will allow people to transition more easily into it from beef jerky, which they're buying presently and tends to be much thicker than Biltong, Hatfield, who acts as Weekly's business consultant, says. Weekly says that as of this printing, her product should be available in some stores around Kansas City and through barn-to-door. She just cleared the state inspection hurdles in mid-April. As the product hopefully grows in popularity, she plans to use it as a tool to educate her customers about good nutrition and maybe heal some more broken guts out there. It's such hard work. You have to get the right cut of meat. You have to marinate it. Then you have to hang it. You have to wait five days, Weekly explains. There's an art to it, but it's such a wonderful tasting product it's amazing.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Worlds of Fun. Worlds of Fun is accepting applications for all positions this summer, including ride operators, lifeguards, cashiers, cooks, and bartenders. All positions come with competitive pay, paid training, and best of all, free admission. Leadership positions are available. Working at Worlds of Fun means you will receive worlds of... Friends, worlds of flexibility, worlds of experience, literally it's worlds of fun. Get a head start now on your worlds of opportunity. Apply at worldsoffun.jobs or text FUN to 97211. That's FUN to 97211. Now, it's time for Nick's Music Corner.
2: Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Last month, Kansas City psych rockers The Moose released Spatcher, a 26-song, two-hour-long double LP recorded over the last year and a half in the band's attic studio. According to The Moose, Spatcher, quote, centers around a brief history of a fantastical world shown through psilocybin-inspired soundscapes, detrimental circumstances, and psychedelic creatures, end quote. Inspired by everyone from King Crimson to MGMT to Pink Floyd to Tame Impala, this is a truly epic recording, which covers everything from brief pastoral interludes like Satyr of Swordbend, all the way through to the 11-minute-plus dreamy electronic psychedelia of Earth Corrupts the Heaven's The End of Time, which ends the album in is quote, the apocalyptic version of the end of the world where the sun engulfs the earth, end quote. Heady stuff, right? In addition to all of that, Spatcher features some truly choice songs like Ultraviolet. While the song is about the beginning of the end, told from the perspective of a mournful citizen experiencing their last moments watching humans seal their fate with the sun, it's also a joyously dreamy and ecstatic piece of dream pop that will have you wondering if maybe somebody dose that Coke you were drinking earlier. Spatcher can be had at themoose.bandcamp.com, where you can also snag an art print by the band's Emma Klein inspired by the track Lava. The band is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music of the Moose. Here's Ultraviolet.
0: Uh, so here we are today uh, chatting with Steve, uh, who is the guy behind uh, a number of the venues in town. Minibar, uh, which is one of the first places I ever did a, a, a full headlining comedy set. Uh, and of course, Record Bar, which is easily my favorite venue in town. Uh, and now Lemonade Park, uh, which is the outdoor venue that used to be a parking lot that is now the place where live music sustained uh during uh covid so we were having a little chat here about music about everything coming back uh and about the future of of what happens here um just just thrilled to be chatting with him
3: uh so here is that interview uh
0: steve welcome to the show introduce yourself to the audience and tell us what you do
3: <laughs> there's an audience uh I'm steve tulipana I'm owner of Record Bar and Mini Bar and uh, partner at Lemonade Park I- Play a lot of a lot of bands and just I don't know been part of the KC music scene for most of my life. How'd you come into Record Bar? (laughs) Uh, 16 years now. Something my partner um, Sean Cheryl and I had talked about like when we were on tour. He was in Shiner and I was in Season to Risk, and we toured a lot. it was just a dream. Someday we're like, well, we'll have our own club someday. And it really, seriously, was going to be our whole vision was something more like a Shea Charlie kind of neighborhood bar. And it's it's a long story, and it just it became a kind of we just kind of followed the path. Doors open, and a lot of times we, we just said, okay, let's let's go through that door and see what happens. You know, um, pretty much, really, truthfully, a lot of happenstance.
0: When uh, when I moved out here three years ago from Los Angeles, my my biggest worry about moving to Kansas City was like, oh, what if the concerts don't match up? Because in L.A. I spent like every night at a show. And uh, the week I moved here, uh, one of my favorite bands in the world, Death From Above 1979, was playing in town at Record Bar. And like the last time I'd seen them, I'd had to drive down from Los Angeles to San Diego to park at a stadium to watch them open for incubus of all fucking people. The sound was terrible and I was a thousand rows back. Uh, and then I got to KC, and it was like a $15 ticket for a show that wasn't sold out in a space where I was able to pull up a chair about like four rows back in terms of people and like uh, just be a 35 year old sitting at the edge of the pit and be like, huh. this is maybe the best place I've ever lived. And that has continued that continued forward through like, every band that i was like you know what in la i would have had to pay like 200 dollars a ticket to be up on this like elevated area to see them or whatever and so record bar has just been like my home away from home and i've just uh it's been a long time coming to just be able to talk to you face to face and be like thank you thank you for this thank you for like kansas city in general is is just such a wonderful spot but like um having been here just a very short amount of time i already have so many incredible memories from your venue including watching like of Montreal who has like a, a Broadway musical level of like dancers and costume changes that can't really even fit in the backstage so they're having to run up and down stairs and people were trying to wait in line for the bathroom I was like oh I love that you guys pack in like so much that it barely functions uh, but that everyone is able to be there and enjoy it so um like now, whole, what is it like to create such an oasis in the plains here?
3: I say that's that has always been like just barely functions. Um, you know, like we grew up, I mean, I grew up in the kind of punk rock DIY vibe, you know, going the older, like going back to the 80s and going to, to uh, there uh, there we pretty influential all ages places in the region, you know, like the outhouse or the fool killer. Um, they're historic now. And that kind of energy and that vibe is kind of what, you know, kind of always propelled me to do stuff. And, you know, uh, I was in a, you know, a lot of times back then, you know, if you're in a band, one way to get gigs is to uh, put on shows and communicate and call, like call people on the phone and call, you know, agents in LA and say, Hey, we've got this little space. We can do shows. And, you know, like the first show ever booked was L7 at a place at 47th and And it was their first time ever in Kansas city, you know, and I was 18 and, you know, like 25 people came and, you know, just, I paid them a percentage of the door and bought every piece of merch they had and got them a place to stay at my friend's house. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that we always kind of propelled you know, why the, the love of that and the community, you know, and it's like, you know, it's not going to lie. There's some self-serving in it. If you're, if you're in a band, it's like, okay, we'll trade shows and we can do this and we can do that. And, you know, as, as, as we got older and, you know, I was signed and on tour and put records out with independent labels and major labels and got to a certain age, like got to have a plan. Like, am I going to, am I going to stop doing this and go work for somebody or what am I going to do? You know? And I started, you know, bouncing and then bartending and as, as I was touring less and less. And, and the, the, you know, it's just that kind of that, that uh, I mean, I call it DIY, but the entrepreneurial spirit, whatever you want, can't you know, kind of kind of push me. And now I'm old enough. that I'm like, what's the exit strategy? What's next? <laughs>
0: well, it seems like this year almost forced uh, an exit strategy on you, which was that like uh, suddenly yeah. coronavirus hit. And I've been uh, so wildly impressed by, what you and the crew have managed to put together, because like the 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 first part of it is that like there was a Kickstarter to support keeping the venue open, which I I, I know how humbling sometimes doing a Kickstarter to keep something going can be. It, it it resulted in me getting a signed health record from you guys, but also there was like um you know you some of the offers put up we included like a uh unlimited tickets even to get into sold out shows for the future which like uh, part of me taking this job at the pitch was like well it's less money but i can go to all the shows i want and i think i'm gonna figure that in And i was like oh i, I shouldn't bid on that one in the kickstarter because i hope that i kind of have that but like you you guys did well by that but like you you went above and beyond what a lot of other venues have had to do in terms of like not not begging, but hoping that the community stands behind you, and certainly the community has. But you went out and proactively started creating solutions to work through this. How did how did Lemonade Park come about? Uh, how have your other efforts gone? Like, tell me about how you weathered twenty twenty and into like the kind of reopening we have now.
3: Um, to to answer the reopening side of or like the uh, solutions, there's still no solutions. I think. Think we're gonna be dealing with this for a couple of years still. Uh, especially if the if the you know these these this the shuttered venues operators grant doesn't get funded. I mean it's funded right. we've submitted, still waiting, still waiting. For a mini bar, we went with the restaurant revitalization fund, which was a similar program for restaurants and taverns and bars and things. And and that one is under review, but uh, we were told that it's already been, de- the funds have already been depleted and so I don't know what's going to go with that. It, it seems so, like across
0: the board like a lot of these government things have failed and, and like I, I did a huge fundraiser a few months ago for Save Our Stages and it sounds like Save Our Stages hasn't paid a fucking dollar to anybody. So like there's there's a lot of scamming and a lot of end posts here that like I don't think anyone
3: saw coming which is hugely frustrating. Well here, I think we're going to be hearing things about all, all of these programs. Uh, the negative things that I mean, it's like anything. In the government side, you know, there are people are going to game the system, and and right, and it, whatever you can only do what you can do, and you try to do it right, and hope that it works. But that's all. That's where we're at. You know, as far as the the, the Kickstarter campaign, we were very uh, aware we didn't want it to be a, a bag or an ask that was like, just give us money. We're like, we're going to create something that's special for you, or we're going to share with you the history of the venue. Um, and, and in the end, you know, uh, a good chunk of it went to manufacture that stuff and, and uh, the specialty items. And it, we, I think between that and uh, the auction that we did, we, it paid for the rent for the summer, you know? So three months that, that, every little dime helped and we're so honored that people got behind us to do it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's, it's touching and, and it helps, you know, that's, that's, that was our head on it. Um, what was the second part of your question? Um,
0: so, sort of, uh, let's talk about the rise of, of Lemonade Park and oh. uh, the adaptation that you guys took towards this.
3: Well, that, uh, I mean, the credit goes to to Wes Gardner at, at Voltaire and uh, Wes at Voltaire and the Ox. He uh, he had just um, got the lease on that parking lot for his restaurants, and right before uh, COVID hit, and he's like, "I got a parking lot that I don't have any, re- I don't have any customers." And he just started brainstorming, and he hit me up in in June and was like, "I want you guys to to help me." Uh, he had us up like, Hey, I want to transform this space into an outdoor venue. And we can distance tables. And, and I was, I was like, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. There's no way we can pull this off without, without it being um, a backlash. You're being unsafe, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, and and number one, I was like, I'm not doing it if it's unsafe, you know? And we, he's like, I got ideas. I got ideas. And then he put it, he put a team together to help him. He had a vision, And he basically put a team together to help manifest the look of it and the stage and, and got some of our employees to help and got given them hours. And and then I set to booking it and, and figuring out how to, how to market market it and, uh, and explain to people how we were going to do it and keep it safe. And I think it went really, really well, like from the get go. Uh, It was, uh, we had a little harder with the the city government that we figured out. Um, but, uh, you know, they were, it, when they, it was when they were adapting, trying to figure out what, what can happen, what's also what's safe and what's the right way to do it. And, um, and, uh, yeah, we just kept shifting it and adapting it to make it work. And, uh, it got, got a lot of, a lot of money into the bands, bands hands who weren't working. And, uh, I felt we been paying the bands really well and got our staff some hours and, and, uh, it put a few dollars into the, uh, the bill, you know, the, what we have to pay at record bar, you know, it's, it's it, all of it combined is, which it is just, it's kind of do or die. And we just figure out like, how do we keep chipping away at these things so that we don't have to just call it, you know? And there, there were, there's weeks where I'm like, Oh, that's it. Forget it. No more. Can't do it. And, and we kind of, you know, we tighten our belt and we figure it out and that's, we've always done that. I mean, in 15, 16 years now, almost, it's been, we've had moments at the old venue before we moved. I mean, I didn't, even that, when that, we lost that lease, I was like, hey, it's over, you know, things just kind of, like I said, the doors, the doors open and we peek in and we got like, is this is going to be a good idea. And so far it's like, <laughs> like, oh, you know, fuck it. Here we go. <laughs> you know? And that's kind of what we, it comes out of that punk rock spirit, you know, like, uh, I mean, that's, that's not how I feel, but, you know obviously it's not punk rock and it's not, uh, you know, uh, it's not DIY. It's not do it yourself. It's do it with the help of of hundreds and, and it's community, you know, that's how I think. So
0: I have known throughout this, that you were the sort of guy that's like, we have to do this safely and we will take all the precautions that said, it seems like um, I, I think one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you like immediately today is that we are looking ahead at what's, Uh, on deck for the summer and it seems like as of last Friday when all the official mandate stuff dropped across the country all the concerts and festivals came back like immediately as if everyone just had it like in their drafts folder ready to hit send on like this is our tour but only in music like everything else like is like well we've got a long ramp up but every band was like announcing a tour today here's where we're going. Like, were you aware that you were, were you in the same place that you're like, we're just waiting on the moment that there's a green light and then we can go again. Or, or, or was that sort of a shock to you too, how quickly that happened? Or are you still sort of parsing that out yourself?
3: (laughs) I mean, one breath. I want to say I'm overwhelmed, (laughs) but, uh, but, uh, i'm overwhelmed right now uh i can't even keep up with the email but that said we never stopped working we like uh it went from oh this is a three-month thing and all we were all these things that we'd already booked got moved got moved once got moved twice got moved to term all the you all the european and and um oh
0: so uh, many of the interviews i did i i i talked to the murder by death guys all the time and they're like yeah, we we were like okay, we'll just push it 2 months and then we'll push it two more months and then and that's what everyone did for most of that year until there was that point that it was like we have to stop pushing. We have to stop thinking that there is an end date. And so it's so magical I think in that way to see that like suddenly everyone was like we are ready.
3: <laughs> I think once like uh, there were some agents that I talked to were like I'm talking uh you know cuz I still I still perform and I've been invited to do some festivals and I was working out like and the uh, some agents were like Nope, we can't do it. It's not, you don't, you know, if you go do this thing and, uh, even though it's outdoors, maybe you get some bad press on it. You don't have the, you know, you don't have the money. They're press. So even, so even he, even he's a guy that does have Montreal. He said they don't have the ability to, uh, to, to, to come back or pay a you know, a press agent to, to save them from bad publicity because, this opened up to earlier. And he was smart, you know, like right. thinking, like let's, let's be rational and think about it. But then as soon as all the artists got their vaccinations, they called their agents said no now. And then, and that, I think that was the cycle. Like, I think a lot of the artists were, were the, you know, everybody was, tr- this is their livelihood. So like, let's get vaccinated as soon as possible. Let's convince our friends to get vaccinated. And that's the big push we've had in our industry. It's like, convincing people and trying to help manifest it you know even their venues that are like we're giving the shots in the venue you know like in some some cities and i think that's great you know like this is what we do and it's the only way it's going to happen to make people safe and it's you know nothing's a hundred percent but let's try to get there sooner than later and and i feel like i mean that's that's where we're at and i uh had a meeting with uh, jeff 48 from mammoth earlier today and and we we're you know we're talking there is still a little bit of like keep the eye on the ball. You know, some things we might have a little slip back in the fall. We may there that we may have to move some things that we're getting excited about, but we're not, we're, we're keeping our ticket inventories. Like we're selling tickets at a low, like we'll open more tickets uh, as, as we feel more confident, you know, like, okay, we announced a show but let's not sell, sell our normal amount of tickets. Let's sell it here and see, see what, what can happen you know um so
0: so i guess that's the big question is sort of like um yeah you're you're internally setting your own limits on these things and you're deciding what it is like what when do you feel comfortable and like is it like it i think you've described it here like there's definitely a slope up like you're not let let's do sold out houses right out of the out of the shoot like and 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 this isn't uh, particularly just a question about like you and your venues but it, it is more of a question of like what do you think all venues should be doing? Like, I I, I think that you're a smart guy in the right headspace for doing this. Like, I I would like to think that what you believe should be the same thing that T-Mobile should be working with, just as much as Sandstone or whatever.
3: <laughs> I you know, I I am. I don't like to tell people what to do, or you know, <laughs> I like by example and do my thing, and that's it. I mean, I I mean, one of the things. So this. Last Saturday, we had uh, the Starhaven Rounders. They're, they're a local country band, a um, uh, wonderful band that plays record bar pretty regular. They, they played Lemonade Park last year. They sell it out every time. They're, they're just a w- wonderful band. And we probably could have done it because the weather held out, but we were, they all, and all signs said, the weather's not gonna happen. And the band was like, we're all vaccinated. And I was like, my staff's all vaccinated. Like, what are the odds of moving it indoors? well talk to everybody everybody said well let's try it uh and we sent it to the tick all the ticket holders we said you are you uh are, are eligible for 100 percent refund if you're not comfortable with this here's how we're going to do it um and we refunded about half the tickets and we had about 80 people in the room and uh everybody was very respectful of each other and uh I hadn't ever seen so much joy <laughs> in my life. Like people that were just like, it's just louder and more full. And they were just like, just so happy to be like, to, to realize, Oh, it can come back. It will come back. But uh, at the same time, and my staff was very comfortable. Um, uh, I said, you know, as long as people with what's going on with the masking and et cetera, encourage people, to wear them be respectful when they can distance when they can. If you see people that are uncomfortable, like I don't want anybody to take risks. They don't want to. And the same with the staff. And so that's, that's, that's our thing. And it's like the only thing I won't tolerate is if someone's hassling somebody for wearing a mask, then they're, that's not for them, get them out, give them their money, tell them to go, uh, you know, play in the street. I don't give a shit, you know, <laughs> like it's just not, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what, that, that's it, it I mean, and that's a sentiment, I think, with, you know, the mayor said it and that's what the CDC says. We're like, we're at a point in in our country where vaccinations are where they are, where people have done the right thing in a lot of places. And we just gonna have to it's willful risk. And it's a society that that hopefully, you know, takes care of each other and and. That's why we're gonna slowly, get, you know, try it out. But I'm not. We're not gonna be back in there until uh, we're not gonna do a bunch of events. Like it went very well, um, uh, but we're not. Uh, we're not ready to be it. We just don't have the staff yet to staff Record Bar and Lemonade Park at the same time. So, yeah. and we're gonna continue. So, we're 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 looking for people that want to work in a, a music venue and uh, and uh, we'll get back at it. I think.
0: Uh, Truly and sincerely, just blown away and impressed by the level of agency that you gave to everyone at every level of the chain. There, I I don't think I've spoken to another business owner during this. It was like check with this level, and then the the employees, and then the people coming, and like everyone was respected for what they did. That's that's an incredible way of easing back into this, and that's really cool. Uh, I have taken more of your time than I promised to. Uh, I know that you have a million things to get back to, but uh, last question here.
3: Who is the band that you can't wait to see again? <laughs> uh, that we have scheduled? I can't say on some of the stuff I can't say yet.
0: But, sure. But uh, theoretically in general, not having to say that they're on the list. Who Who are you excited to see next? <laughs>
3: uh, I was, I, I, I really, the Viagra boys is like way high on my list of like, they were uh, they were set to come during pandemic and uh, it hasn't been rescheduled yet. But I'm I'm hoping it does. Like that is going to be a killer show. So,
0: all right, man. Thank you so much for talking to us. And we will uh,
3: show people how to keep
0: supporting your work. And cannot wait to be back in Record Bar for a show. That that venue that I've seen in the movie The Stylist now. <laughs> I was <laughs> just like, oh yeah. I know exactly that bathroom,
3: it's uh... <laughs> the new freedom of fair video and, uh, uh, AY young has a video that he used the room. We, we during pandemic, we, 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 allowed a lot of bands to use the room if they, you know, uh, to, for videos and for live streams and stuff. So we we're, we're pretty happy that we were able to help, help the, the bands, so and and it's like it's like it's history i mean rad rad key in the the new film that they're in the new uh uh oh gosh no, i can't remember the, the title of it the the touring thing the foo fighter uh documentary yeah yeah. yeah. i'm sorry i can't remember the name of it but uh the rad key footage is from rector bar in that in that movie so that's cool i like it
0: awesome thank you so much man see you soon in person finally <laughs> yes yes take it easy Ladies and gentlemen, that was Streetwise, the pit from here in Kansas City. Uh, I am your host, Brock Wilbur. I really appreciated you guys hanging out, listening to this fun, fun, wacky time of a thing that we do. Um, I hope you're all having a wonderful time wherever you are. Uh, remember, uh, The Pitch is here doing local journalism. Uh, we can always use your help if you ever want to toss in a couple of bucks. That's cool. And if not, that is also cool. We're at ThePitchKC.com doing local journalism every single day of the week. Uh, and some days are better than others. And recently, there's been a string of days that, uh, that take a bit out of you. So if there's ever a time to talk five bucks our way, just buy me a drink, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> Uh we, we we've been having a time. The whole city's been having a time. There's there's a lot going on. Anyway, we are here to help uh make sure that you know everything that's going on. Uh we love you, we thank you for being here, for listening to what we're doing. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Bye.